And welcome, my friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. And today we're going to get to the topic of sexual sin and how to pastor our families and uh, shepherd our churches through uh, this question. And uh, big, big issue today. Obviously, this is a gospel issue. Jesus came. Jesus came for this reason, to save us from our sins. And this is a big one that uh, that we want to talk about. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 reminds us that... Uh, such were some of you, and we're talking about sexual sin, fornication, homosexuality, etc. But such were some of you, past tense, but uh, you have been forgiven, you've been justified, you've been cleansed uh, by the grace of God and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's the topic on this edition, and I couldn't think of a, a pastor more uh, competent and more experienced and uh, more... Uh, of a background in counseling folks on this issue as Heath Lambert, who once uh, was the director of uh, the counseling organization, the the biblical counseling organization, ACBC. But uh, now he's a full-time pastor with uh, uh, the First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And so Heath Lambert, author of Finally Free and a new book coming out, The Great Love of God, now joins me on the Generations Broadcast. Heath, welcome back to our program. It's good to have you back with us. It's good to be back. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you know, Heath, um, give us a little bit of a sense of your background. I know we've we've interviewed you before on the program, but uh, I have to tell you that my wife heard your testimony given at an ACBC conference recently, and she was just so inspired by that, like just to see the transforming work of God and the reconciliation that God brings to the gospel of Jesus Christ into one man's life. And you, you shared that and she, she was so overwhelmed. She, she gave the whole testimony to me and then she passed it on to, uh, to a number of our friends, our brothers and sisters in our local congregation. But maybe just, just give us a sense for what God's done in your life. I think that would be encouraging to our, our listening audience. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, everybody has their story of how they came to know Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is taking each one of us on a journey to meet him. And my journey was through, uh, a season of, uh, great personal pain in childhood abuse. I grew up in a, uh, a very unbelieving household. Maybe people listening to this wouldn't think uh, belief or unbelief uh, varies by degrees. Uh, you're either lost or saved, but my family was really lost. Oh, I mean, wow. they were, they were mm-hmm. really, nobody loved the Lord. Nobody went to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was uh, a drunk and violently abusive. And uh, so my twin brother and I, we went, we just grew up in that and it was dangerous and scary and there was custody battles and we spent a season in foster care uh, because it was so uh, violent and unsafe in our home. Uh, but it was, uh, it was in the context of hearing the good news of Jesus when I was a freshman in high school that, uh, okay. that Jesus had lived a perfect life and died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. And that, um, if I would turn from my sin and trust in him, I could be saved and forgiven. And, you know, mm. th- th- there were two things about that. Um, okay. One is when I was much younger than that, about seven, I knew I was going to die. I knew my mom was going to kill me. There were, a, there were a few moments where I just was convinced it was going to happen, and I mm. would pray. I knew about hell, mm-hmm. and I would pray that God would not send me to hell. And, and we're talking and, about attempted drownings and and guns yes. and, and knives and things. I mean, this is not a safe environment for a little boy. No, 
Mm. No, this was this was. I mean, there were guns involved, and there was attempted drownings, mm. and there were there was running through the snow barefooted. And mm. I knew my mom was going to kill me. Oh boy! And I would beg God not to send me to hell. Huh. And as I heard the presentation of the good news of Jesus, my freshman year of high school, the thing that was so apparent to me was that I had been praying that God would not send me to hell, and I'm not in hell and I'm hearing about how I can be saved. And mm. so I asked the Lord to forgive me. He did. Um, and, and the other thing about that is that, that is actually really important for, for my testimony because people will hear these things about the horrible things that happened to me. And they were, they were horrible things that happened to me, but, but getting saved uh, meant for me that the most important thing about me is not the bad things that have happened to me, but the bad things I've done. Nobody mm-hmm. is in hell mm-hmm. because they were mistreated. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to mm-hmm. hell because we mistreat. Wow. And so, wow. Uh, so coming to know Jesus just really meant, hey, the bad things I do uh, are, are more important than the bad things that have been done to me in terms of my eternity and in terms of what Jesus mm-hmm. did for me. And, and then and the one good, of the early, the good thing Jesus did for you then overwhelms all the bad things you did. And, and, and so on it goes, that's right? That's exactly right. Uh-huh. That's exactly right. And, and one of the first sins, uh, that the Lord convicted me of, and this is, uh, uh this is perhaps a good segue into, into the topic of uh, purity. Mm-hmm. One of the first sins the Lord confronted me with after I got saved was my impure heart that was just full mm. of lust. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and you found forgiveness and cleansing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. Mm-hmm. So a beautiful story. And to end the story, we just have to say that God reconciled your relationships with, with your mother, your father. I mean, just good things happen. Just That's right. Lots yeah, of my, good things. Uh, yeah. Lots of people. Got, I got saved. Lots of people got saved. Uh, wow. There, it wound wow. up being a huge. Uh, that wound up being a huge thing that led me into ministry. I wanted to go into ministry, and I think mm. I'm a more effective minister because when people tell me about the bad things they've been through, I don't. <laughs> I don't ever go. wonder about that. Uh-huh. I don't ever right. wonder why it would right. be painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. e- and even with this, uh, with this book that's coming out in the spring that you talked about, that was that's another book that was written just out of let me tell you what the lord did in a really really dark really really hard season of my life and in in the case of the forthcoming book it's four brain surgeries but uh but but whether it's my salvation testimony whether it's this book that's coming out i would just want to encourage people that the lord does good things in our pain he does good things in our hardship and there's always blessing uh, on the other side of trial when you're trusting the lord and he restores the years the locusts have eaten uh, he redeems big time he redeems the sinners and and what does that look like on the other side of the red sea what what does that look like mm. the, the redemption of the guy who's stuck in sexual sin the, the redemption of the guy, the gal who's stuck in bitterness for the way she's been treated over all these years. What does that look like? Yeah, you know. So I hope, I hope it looks. It, and there's going to be case specific things that are going to be different for everybody. But I hope it looks like joy. I yep. mean, when you mm-hmm. realize that the Lord has done for you super abundantly above anything beyond what you deserve, uh, there has to be joy and there has to be gratitude. Uh, I also think this is this is part uh, and parcel of what it means to be saved and forgiven is uh, we loved. Uh, I mean, this is crucial 
to the life and ministry of Jesus. As he says in John chapter 13, verse 35, they will know you are my disciples when you love one another. So, mm-hmm. so there is something, and, and he, first John will say, uh, first John four, that anybody who says he loves God while he hates his brother is a liar. Uh, so, so there has to be, when you have encountered redemption, there has to be a blossoming in your heart of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, another mm-hmm. thing that mm-hmm. I would say there's, uh, we could actually keep going, but, but one thing that I would say just in, in a really general way is there has to be humility. Uh, so the idea of someone being saved from their sin, being cleansed from their sin, being redeemed and changed in the midst of their sin and being arrogant yeah. uh, is unheard of. There yeah. has to be humility. There has to be, right. a, oh, my goodness, Lord. Look at what you have done for me that I don't deserve. It's so, the, the, so there's a lot of things, but at the yeah. very least, joy and love and humility. It's the publican on his face before God. He's not even looking at anybody else. He's just saying, "God have mercy on me, a sinner." That's uh, right. Versus the Pharisee. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that that person that's attending the church, the local church, and they are stuck in sexual sin. Perhaps a member baptized, made a profession of faith ten years ago. Um, what can you say about that person, you know, stuck in sexual sin, stuck in a pornography addiction, something of that sort? What's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever in relation to these habitual sins? Yeah, so I would want to guarantee anybody listening to this that that person is in your church uh-huh, uh, right I mean, they're just mm-hmm. there's it that is happening this isn't a theoretical That's question right. mm-hmm. the the actually the person listening to this might be the person in mm-hmm. their church or one of the people in their church and so this is this is as practical and as real as it gets mm-hmm. um it's a hard question to answer because yeah. there are a lot of believers who are sitting in those churches right now who do feel trapped by this kind of sin. And if everybody knew uh, how much sexual sin they were dealing with, you actually might conclude on the basis of their behavior that they're not even saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what what is the difference between a lost person and a saved person yeah. mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to that? And what I would say is at a bare minimum, there has to be discontent, displeasure, uh, detestation, hatred of it. Right, uh, a Christian right, right. is not going to be able to indulge in sexual sin and be happy for long. Sooner or later, okay. there is going to be a distaste and a displeasure that that eventually, eventually, in the heart of a person who is saved and is filled up with the Holy Spirit, will result in confession and change eventually. Mm-hmm. And there has to be at some point a measure of victory. Is that true? That you you have to sense a degree of of freedom from sin at some point in your christian life absolutely i think we could say that in the christian i think you could boil the new testament down to say that in this life perfection is impossible but change is required that's right that's right Uh uh-huh we used to say direction not perfection but direction you know in other words do we have a, a a trajectory that's moving in the right direction here and That's right. of course you need m- multiple points and the idea that you jump in as a pastor in 10 minutes assess the situation no you need got to get multiple data points working here that means that you know hey let's let's spend some time walking together and see how things go is that the better way to think of it as a pastor yeah i think so i think two things if if you are concerned about 
uh, perfection, you're going to be frustrated That's right. uh, mm-hmm. with any setback, with any failure. Uh, but if you refuse to see the reality of change, uh, you're not going to have hope. Uh, you're going to be discouraged all the time. Uh, and so what I would say is these things, I think it's best as a pastor. I think it's best as a struggler to to have the long view in mind. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, uh, what you can accomplish in a month is not nearly as much as you're going to be able to accomplish in 10 years in mm-hmm. terms of your sanctification. Right, so, right. so I look back at uh, sins that I struggled with when I was a high schooler and I would just, I mean, there were times when I would just torture myself. I mean, I just remember pounding uh, the wall with my fist. I was so frustrated at the lack of progress. And now, I mean, here I am as a grown man with kids as old as I was when I was having those struggles. And I, I'm, I don't have those struggles anymore, yeah, yeah. but it mm-hmm. took, it took years, not mm-hmm. days. And what you said, stay in the battle, stay in the battle, stay in the battle. Uh, and that's what I would, you know, counsel these young men with is because I can remember being that guy. Yeah. If oh, I'm yeah. looking back, and what's nice also is I'm married, so I can turn to my wife and say, what was I like 15 years ago? How, how am I doing? <laughs> <She's> just, <laughs> well, let me tell you, right. you've grown in a few areas that she encourages me in that way. Um, here, another question relating, again, to sexual sin within the church, and so there's so much shame attached to sexual sin. Heath, how do you cultivate a culture of walking in the light, hearing confessions, encouraging repentance and faith, and yet not pampering sin? Yeah. So I think I really do believe this is a leadership issue. I think this is, okay. it is up to leaders to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think you've got to do a couple of things really well and really consistently. First okay. of all, you do have to be honest about sin. You have to be honest mm-hmm. that, Hey, mm-hmm. there is right. There is wrong. Here's what the right is. Here's what the wrong is. But I think when you're talking about sin, and and I think you I think you need to be as clear as bold as sometimes as blistering about sin as the Bible is. But and this is this is a big a uh, big issue here. We don't talk about sin like it's the problem with the people out there. We talk about sin like it's the problem with the people in here. And whenever it's appropriate, it's not always appropriate to turn the pulpit into a confessional, but whenever it is appropriate to speak about sin in really humble and personal ways. So it's not just that sin uh, is a problem there with you in the, in the seats. It's, it's a problem with me too. And so this is a problem Mm -hmm. that we all have. All of us are sinners. All of us need the grace of Jesus. And the other thing I would say about that, that's absolutely crucial. If if you're going to say, Hey, it's not just that they're sinners out there. We're sinners in here, and I'm a sinner too. The Apostle Paul says I'm the chief sinner. Yes. Uh, I'm a sinner too, and we have to be a place that is pursuing openness, honesty, confession, and change. If you're going to do that, then you also have to have some facility in how change is pursued. If somebody comes to you and they confess a problem, they confess a difficulty, and they confess that to somebody who has absolutely no idea how to help them, you will discourage exactly the kind of thing that you're trying to help. So we've got to have some case wisdom and some skill about how to help people. Mm -hmm. What do you do about the young man who just keeps falling and falling and falling and falling over, say, a period of two, three, four years? Is there a point at which he pulls back from the Lord's table? Is uh, do, do, do you sort of up the ante on accountability, on um, counseling? You know, maybe checking into a, uh, 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 you know, a, a 
camp or some place where there's, you know, an eight week uh, walk along, talk along program or, you know, what, what do you do up the ante or how does that work within the context so, of church? So when I hear about somebody not changing, Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, by the way, common. I wish it weren't. I wish mm-hmm. everybody who initially expressed a desire to change just immediately saw it all the way through and eventually was fully different. But that's not what you hear all the time. You hear a lot of stories of of uh, of not change, of losing ground, of regress. Right, right, right. When I hear about that, um, what what I do is I have questions. There's two big categories of problems in play here. Uh, you either have a person who's struggling with sin who is not fully repentant. They're not, you know, John the Baptist. They're not bearing fruit in keeping with repentance, uh, and so that is that's a problem with their heart. Uh, maybe, maybe they are not as serious as they claim to be. The Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians seven will talk about two different kinds of sorrow: people who are sorrowful for godly reasons and people who are sorrowful for worldly reasons. So you can mm-hmm. have somebody crying and desperate to change, but those tears are drawn from two very different wells. And one is going to mm-hmm. lead to change the godly sorrow. And one is going to lead to persistent sin and, and lying and cover. That's the, that's the worldly sorrow. So we need to figure out with this person, like, okay, what's going on in your heart here? What are you really wanting? Are you as serious about this as you say, but the other category and, I know plenty of people who have failed to change because of problems in the second category. And that is because they're being helped by people who have absolutely no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and so, so just one example of, of many that I could tell you is a guy who was desperate to change and he was meeting with his pastor and the pastor every week, it was essentially about a 15 minute meeting. Hey, have you looked at pornography this week? Well, yes. Well, that's bad. I told you not to do that. Let's pray and mm-hmm. see if it doesn't happen again this week and then meet again next week and hey have you looked at porn this week well yeah i did well hey i told you last week you weren't we weren't supposed to do that we prayed and what are you doing uh now you're getting in trouble and now we're getting into church discipline i know a guy who got disciplined out of his church um by pastors who never sought to help him they only told him to quit um and so what what that problem is is the problem of counselors leaders shepherds who understand the ethics of sexual sin it's bad don't do it but they don't understand the process of ministry with people who are dealing with sexual sin. Here's how we help you not do it. So there's two big categories, somebody who's not repentant and a leader, a counselor, a pastor, a shepherd who doesn't know how to help. And I would want to press in and figure out which is which. Right. What about homework uh, in the counseling? If they just don't follow through on the homework, what's your take on that? That's somebody who's not serious about change. It's a dead giveaway. Uh, if, If you've got time to look at porn You've got time to do the homework, and if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you will eventually want to do the godly things in the Word that are going to lead you towards change um, and not the other. And so that's that's a dead giveaway. Somebody who's not persistently doing what they're asked to do uh, isn't walking with the Spirit. Let's talk a little bit about uh, young men, young women wanting to get married and yet still having struggles with pornography or some other sexual sin might be uh, uh, self-stimulation uh, or what have you. Um, what is your general counsel to, to young men, young women on this issue? Uh, yeah, so two things. One is becoming aware of the problem. Uh, I always tell people that you need to have, uh, if you're going to get married to somebody, if you're thinking about getting married to somebody, you need to have a conversation with them 
about your sort of sexual history sometime around when you're thinking of getting engaged. That's it's it's tricky. You don't want to spill your guts the second week of dating. That makes you a freak. Uh, you don't want to do that, uh, but you don't want to wait till the night before the wedding night to let somebody know that you have some sort of really complicated sexual past. And so, so about the time you're thinking about making a decision to get engaged is about the time this person needs to be aware of everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about somebody who is, you said self-stimulating, if we're talking about a problem with pornography, right, uh, right. my advice that actually I could, we could have some of our other pastors on this call and they hear me say it so much. We talk about it so much. Uh, I think the magic reality is clean time. Uh, I'm not looking uh, for anybody in, in this day and age to be perfect and have no history of pornography, but I am looking for somebody who has, who's got some clean time. That's, mm-hmm. there, it's a little mm-hmm. bit nebulous about how much that is. Uh, Depending on the case. Look, Depending on it the depends case. on the case. Right. It depends on how bad the problem was. It depends on okay. their personal maturity. Mm-hmm. But for somebody who is saying, I have an active problem with pornography or I have uh, a problem with pornography that I think I licked about a month ago, I don't think that person's a candidate for marriage right now. Okay. We only have a few minutes left, Heath, Heath Lambert, on this edition of the program. Uh, how should parents disciple their children on this issue? Fathers, sons, mothers, daughters, when should they start introducing topics of sexuality with their kids? You have ideas on these things? Oh yeah. Uh, you gotta have more conversations about more things earlier than you want, uh, Mm -hmm. is the unfortunate reality. Mm -hmm. The more, the more freedom and mobility interaction our kids have with other people, the riskier it is that bad things are going to get introduced at an early period. So parents just aren't the gatekeepers of all the information that they used to be. Uh, and so you just have to be prepared that your kids are going to get exposed to stuff sooner than you would like. Uh, we started this really early. Uh, we talk about modesty in our house. That was a way to help us talk about some of these issues without having to get into nitty gritty, uh, mm-hmm. uncomfortable, even inappropriate details with kids that are too young. But one of the things I just say one thing, one of the thing I did, things I've done with both of my boys who are, who are both getting older now. But, uh, but I said, when we first started talking about these modesty things, I'd say, Hey, have you ever wanted to see a girl dressed immodestly? And they both on cue went, Oh no. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I said, well, let me tell you something. One day you're going to want to, Oh dad, no, I would never want that. I said, I'm just telling you one day you're going to want to see a girl dressed immodestly. And when you do, just tell me about it. Tell you me, just about tell it. me about it. That's it. And they said, okay. That's and, it. And every mm-hmm. couple of months I'd say, Hey, have you wanted to see? No, I haven't wanted to see a girl dressed immodestly. Interesting. But wow. there was a moment mm-hmm. in each of my boy's life mm-hmm. where they came to me and they're like, dad, it yep. happened. Something happened. And uh-huh. I said, okay, let's talk about it. So the, mm-hmm. the point is, is whatever you do, you have to have these be open conversations. You have to be the person that your kids are coming to, to get information, the person they're coming to, to ask questions, because if they're not coming to you, they're going to go to somebody else that you trust a lot less. Yeah. Yeah. Super helpful stuff from uh, Pastor Heath Lambert on this edition of the program. He's the author of Finally Free. Highly recommend uh, the book on, uh, on freedom from sexual sin, freedom from Uh, pornography addictions it's called finally free and uh, also his new book coming out in just a few months the great love of god pastor heath lambert our guest thanks heath i appreciate the time today it has been really good and thanks for sharing the testimony too 
Hey, thanks for having me. I was glad to do it. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.